the post money plan. Dropping knowledge. Because without it, you ain't fresh. Hey, what's up, everybody? This Blow is coming to you Monday, July 10th, 2017. My name is Abel Said, and I am your co-host, along with Stephen Nagao, for this first edition of the Post Money Plan podcast. We believe empowerment comes through knowledge, so our purpose here is to inform, educate, and stimulate thought on topics within personal finance, economics, and investing. Don't forget, you can find us at postmoneyplan.com or search the Post Money Plan in the iTunes podcast app or in Google Play. Today we're going to be talking about the state of the NBA and specifically three specific teams, the Knicks, the Cavaliers, and the Lakers. Just you know, going over roster construction, philosophies of, of front offices, and just how teams are run, how teams are built, how teams are drafted, and what the front office, the influence of front office has on the NBA and the teams, and also what the players, what the players mean to the NBA as well. So Abe is a Knicks fan, a New York Knicks fan, and uh, for anybody who knows basketball, the Knicks are are going through some times. <laughs> but I think a big problem that I feel like with all these teams that are struggling is you know how the office culture is set up from the top down. There's three ways you can develop a team. You know, that's through, through the draft, through free agency, and, and through trade. And there's a couple of teams out there who have made a, a good, have had a good track record of, of being competitors year after year, like San Antonio. And you know, that's a small market team too. You know, they don't have any marquee like big all. Like, and they have like Kawhi Leonard now. But for the market size that it is, it's 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 been a com- consistently competitive ball club compared to big markets like New York and LA. LA is going through its ebb and flow, but recently there's been a lot of upturns. So I'm I'm kind of excited for my team. But you know, maybe you can shed some light on on where <laughs> what direction your, well, your club is going. Like I just don't know the this process there. You know. Yeah, are you guys still running the triangle? Apparently, he wants to bring it. Apparently, with all the prospects during the pre-draft workouts, they were just coaching on the triangle the entire time. <laughs> That's another thing because it takes a while to learn it, right? I mean, if you're trying yeah, to rebuild, it, it's going to take some time. Yeah, I mean, we could get into all what the NBA is now as a game, which is, I think, pace and space, basically. I mean, the Warriors showed that. It's spread out, shoot threes, and lots of off-ball movement. Triangle has some of that, but it's not. It's much more constricted, right, within the paint. Well, what Steve Kerr has done to the Warriors, I mean, you got to think about it. Steve Kerr was coached by Phil Jackson and Greg Popovich. If you look at the offense of both those coaches, Popovich and Jackson, he took a little bit of both and kind of, you know, tweaked the triangle offense a bit and, you know, added his own thing. And so it's such a nightmare guarding uh, the Warriors. Dude, you should check out that video on YouTube. It's called The Golden Democracy. It's narrated by Kobe. It's pretty awesome. He breaks down... It's just Kobe. It's like a three or four minute video where Kobe just like breaks down how Golden State plays basketball. He does the same thing for the Cleveland Cavaliers, which is hilarious because after you see what he he calls it the Cavalier Kingdom and the way he talks about the Cavaliers, you can see how they lost because <laughs> it's, it's really just LeBron and Kyrie and then everyone else is a supporting role. They don't have yeah. the, the firepower yeah. to Pete. Yeah, but check out Golden Democracy. It's, it's pretty awesome. It's so hard for you when you're playing defense against the Warriors. They're such a selfless team. That's a big proponent of the triangle offense. And that's something that I think that's actually changing the game. You know, it used to be like I grew up watching Kobe Bryant. The game was, you know, when the ball was in his hands and, you know, he'd win the game and, and help his teammates out and, and corral <laughs> victories. Uh, but now it's, it's such a pass first mentality. I feel like those are extreme opposites of the way basketball is played, but. 
If you want to, it's also like the big man is. You no longer see the Hakeem's, the Shaq's, the Ewing's, the yeah, yeah the big men with skill in the paint who can make post moves and drop steps, and they don't follow the offense through the, those kind of players anymore. That's true, man. I think you know, with more people making shots, it's it's making things more quote unquote exciting. People like to see a lot of high activity, high frequency scoring and shooting. So I think that's that's how the league is going to be aved in the yeah. next couple of years. But at the end of the day, man, like it, like we talked about before, it's a players' league. Like you could run the triangle, Bogota, whatever. If you have, <laughs> if you have Michael Jordan in his prime, if you have Kobe Bryant and Shaq in their primes, yeah. If you have Kevin Durant and Steph Curry in their primes, I mean, it, I mean, it doesn't matter what you run. A lot of times too. So yeah, I, I don't know. This is like if even if they run the triangle, just get the right players, draft. Like hopefully this guy they got, Frank uh, Tilakina, I think is how you say his last name. Tilakina. Yeah, I saw his video. 6'5 point guard, 18 years old. I mean, hopefully he pans out. Okay, so when you say hopefully he pans out, what is your time window? Because I think it's different for everybody. No one knows what these teams are planning for. Maybe he's thinking about in a year or two years, but it could be five, could be seven, dude. Like, What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, I would say I wouldn't expect maybe he'll be a starter in two, three years, but at that point, he'd be 2021. I wouldn't expect consistent production until maybe... 22 23 i think that'd be reasonable like so porzingis uh-huh. is still young himself he's 21 and he's yeah he played professional before dude yeah in spain yeah so i mean i don't think he needs to i mean it sounds like you want to baby him until he's ready to... <laughs> he should be like in the playoffs now man i don't know i don't i think i think it's it depends on the player it depends on the position i think point guards take longer to develop than big guys i don't i I think it just depends on who's around him. It's like the best case scenario with all young players was the OKC with Durant, Westbrook, and Harden, right? Right. I think they made the finals when like Durant was 22. Yeah, that was five years ago. Yeah, but that I mean again, again, Durant was like a once in generation player, and then Westbrook was also, I mean, is probably the MVP this year. So it shows you, and Harden was probably second MVP this year. Harden so was but, a no show against the Spurs, man. I don't know what happened. <laughs> It was like he got the Space Jam curse. He just was not showing up. That's one thing I've noticed. Like, he seems like he floats in and out sometimes, like if he's not going well. Yeah, but I think a good thing, surprisingly, Mike D'Antoni did was put him in the point guard position. It's kind of like the floor general. You lead the, you're the extra voice of the coach on the floor. And I do want to segue to this point. This draft was point guard heavy. I think like the top three picks were point guards. And... From what I've studied... Top two. T- Jason Tatum was third. He went to Duke. He's, a, I think, a small forward. Ah, uh, yes, yes. Okay. Well, regardless, point guards were the talk of this year's draft, and point guards don't play well in the triangle offense, dude. I think it's certain point guards, and I think he thinks... Because this guy, his nickname, I think, is like Frankie Smokes. That's why I've seen him being called. <laughs> <laughs> Frankie Smokes? He's a 6'5", like, lengthy, really good defender. He's not, like, super offensively skilled, but, like, he can... You know, he's competent in that regard. Are you talking about the same guy you guys drafted, Nilakina? Yeah, Nilakina. Frankie Smokes? Because <laughs> <laughs> no, no one could say his last name here, apparently. Oh, so they call him, they call him Frankie. Know, Ni- it was Frankie Nicotine, and then it became Frankie Smokes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I see I see it now. You know, they asked him who, because, uh, you know, like, so what are your hobbies when he just got drafted? He's like, I like music. And they're like, all right, who's your favorite artist? He's like, Drake, Future, Meek Mill. <laughs> I was like, oh, Meek man. Mill. 
was like, man, I guess he doesn't care about the beef, but I thought that was kind of funny. Frankie Smokes. All right, hopefully he gets uh, hopefully he gets some stops for your team for your ball club. So as far as what I think the Knicks should do, and depending on what Phil, like I, my hope is that he has a long term interest in plan, like a five year plan, seven year plan, instead of trying to, and that's why the Noah Rose transactions pissed me off because that seemed like a win now building a super team. The Rose called it a super team before the season, which is kind of funny to think about now. <laughs> yeah. And that struck me as win now and just give up assets unnecessarily for that and not making sound decisions. So I hope the things they can patch up things with Mello. He can patch up things with Porzingis and then bring in Frankie Smoke slowly. <laughs> keep drafting well. We're probably going to be a lottery team again next year. I don't see us the next really like being in a position to contend unless... Okay. How long do you think Carmelo's going to be rocking orange and blue? I don't know, because there's talks about them buying him out, which oh. would be, obviously the contract would still be on their books, but he'd be free to go wherever he wants and basically play for another team underneath being paid by the Knicks. That'd be kind of, that sounds like an Allen Houston deal. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, there's already talk about the Cavs being the team to sign him and all that. I mean, it's... Ah, interesting. So I don't know if he's going to be there next year. I think he won't be, honestly. I think it's just at this point, it might be irreparable. But I, I mean, I hope they can keep on through to the end of his contract. You know what was really shocking about New York is they had good momentum when Mike Wooden was coach. Do you remember that guy? Yeah, that that was the one team that made the play. They were this two seed that year. They lost to. That's when they had Jason Kidd, Mello, still playing really well, basically still in his prime. Yeah. J.R. Smith playing well. Yeah, that was a fun team, but they lost to the Pacers. Hashtag blame Dolan. <laughs> since 2001, since well, Van Gundy and Ewing left, it's been... It's been downhill. Yeah. So I, I think my optimistic outlook is maybe be in the playoffs in three years with Frankie Smokes and Porzingis as a core, and then maybe a couple other lottery picks. Do not trade picks and do not bring in older players that aren't going to contribute. Who's the coach? Is it Hornacek? <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's hard to remember that sometimes. <laughs> Dude, that's... I, feel, I feel kind of bad for him because he's probably just lost in the <laughs> every day I mean, he goes home and he's like, what What happened now with this team I supposedly coach? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that, that'll help. I mean, I just look at who's in your division. You got the Raptors who went to the playoffs. I think they're like the fourth seed or whatever. The Celtics who were the number one seed. Sixers who are now looking like a future uh, juggernaut. Yeah, but they're still processing. So let's give them some time. <laughs> Uh, working yeah. Uh, I don't know, man. I think you just got to like look at who, whoever's competing, especially in your division. I'm excited about my team, the Lake Show. We are uh, on the up and up, and a lot of people are speculating. Come 2018, free agents, LeBron James, Paul George, could be potentially signing in LA. Maybe Clippers, but hey, maybe Lakers too. You never know. Yeah, because you your team needs all that. Been a while for you guys, right? Yeah, I mean, to be bluntly honest, ever since Duncan started winning with San Antonio, the Western Conference has always dominated. You could have, like, as many wins as losses and still be, like, I don't know, fifth seed in the playoffs. But if you're in the West, you'd be, like, the 12th or the 13th with that kind of a record. Yeah, so I think that also needs to change, which is a real big challenge. I'm not sure how you change the dynamic in terms of parity. LeBron and Paul George going to the Lakers is not going to help. Hey, it's not, man. But, hey, it's been seven years since the Lake Show won, bro. I know yeah, I sound so, spoiled compared to... I, man, I feel so bad for you guys. <laughs> like seven years without a championship. I, 
Yeah, I no, but I can't. I can't even imagine. No, but I think honestly, like that's who knows what free aid where people will sign next summer. But let's just say hypothetically, LeBron comes out to LA, signs with the Lakers. Say Paul George comes on board with the Lakers or the Clippers, either one. You're still strengthening up the Western Conference because you got to go through San Antonio, you got to go through Golden State, you got to go through Houston, even Memphis to an extent. I mean. This team's stacked up in the West. Minnesota, we didn't even talk about the Butler trade, but yeah, Minnesota now looks like it's going to be yeah, yeah, yeah. at least a playoff team. Towns, Wiggins, and Butler, and Rubio. Yeah, that's true. We'll see how they do defensively, though. I'm not sure. Office culture has to really be reformed. The two biggest markets are LA and New York. If players don't want to come to New York because of Dolan, then so be it. I feel like players do want to come to L.A. because of partly because of Jim Buss, but also because of Kobe's ultra alpha mega male persona. But I think when you have a good culture from top to bottom, things can look at the Warriors like the two owners who own the Warriors came in with a fresh perspective of how they want to run the organization. They actually almost they were courting magic to come join the, the ownership team, but he rejected. He didn't want to do it at that time. And it's not like they needed his help, but still they wanted to have that mentality of implementing a showtime era to the Golden State Warriors. And you kind of do see how they did that, you know, up tempo style of play. So the vision has to come from top. So your man, J D and the straight shooters, whatever whatever vision they have. JD and the straight shots. <laughs> yeah, James Dolan, ladies and gentlemen, James Dolan is now I mean, I know he's a billionaire, so you can do whatever he wants, but he's in a band, and uh, it's called JD, JD and the Straight Straight Shot? Straight yep. Shooters? Straight yeah. Shot. They opened for, like, the Eagles, I think. Q Lebowski. Uh, <laughs> they opened for... Uh, Get your own cab. <laughs> they opened for uh, someone else. Uh, he just has a lot, he has a lot of connections. <laughs> yeah. I, I want to say they opened for uh, the Beatles and the Rolling Stones. <laughs> <laughs> fact check um but he, he has a lot of music connections basically music, yeah, he's really good friends with all the eagles band members and oh, stuff wow. like that so he's just taking that and pushing his lousy jazz bluesy music onto people there's nothing wrong with blues there's nothing wrong with jazz but when no, you're, no, i'm saying his when his, you own a three billion dollar team i'm trying to specify his play on it is lousy no doubt i, I respect those genres of music <laughs> he's not doing a good job of playing that. I don't know how the dividends are paid for when it comes to sports ownership, but you know, a lot of these guys just like rake it in just based on the TV deals or the, the Jersey sales or how many people buy in tickets and the garden people call it the quote unquote Mecca of basketball. It's like one of the more popular places in the world to see. basketball, yeah, and, it, and it still sells out. They're not having any difficulty selling tickets, which is, I mean, it's expensive, and the team is not hasn't been very good, but the people still go. So he has really no incentive monetarily to try and prove the team because he's still raking, like you said. And that's just it's a shame when owners don't try to put the best product that they can on the court or on the field. You know? Yeah, dude. <clears throat> incentive economics. How do you trigger incentive for intrinsic value to improve on a whole front, and not just for one person or one party? I mean, kind of feels like it's a classic. Prisoner's dilemma. There's something that needs to happen from both the ownership and the players themselves to sacrifice. And I think players do a good job of touching upon it, but largely because, you know, they can be like, okay, I'll sacrifice this much money this year so we can help bring other people on board. Like that's what Miami did with LeBron, the Heat, and Dwayne Wade. But they have like so many different opportunities to make money now with endorsements. So I'm not sure yeah. if ownership is playing the risk averse card, like back to Dan Gilbert. 
last year he paid $45 million just luxury tax, you know. And the luxury tax is the amount, it's a surcharge that you pay for being over a given salary cap for your team's payroll. So, I mean, I'm sure if he already paid 45 mil, you should have shelved something out to keep your, your general manager who brought you to the finals three straight years. But Yeah, he's going to have another big bill this year. LeBron's going to make him, especially if he wants to keep LeBron, that's going to be expensive. Yeah, LeBron's a smart player, man. He's like... He realizes how much attention he gets media-wise. You know, it's like social media has changed the game. So he's really putting himself out there in terms of expressing where he stands and doesn't, in terms of what he does and doesn't like from how ownership is managing the team. So, hey, if he ends up coming to L.A. and the Western Conference stacks up, more power to the West, you know? The West is the best. I mean, I for the Knicks, that'd be awesome. Just get everyone out West. <laughs> yeah, then you got to go through the mighty IT. Oh, that's another Kobe video you got to watch. The Mighty IT. All right, actually, Golden Democracy is better because it's about the whole team. <laughs> Golden Democracy. <laughs> yeah, that's what it's called, man. Uh, okay. Yeah, so... That's a weird dude, but I respect <laughs> it. Hey, man, I, I'm used to seeing Black Mamba, Stone Cold Face, and now, like, I watch these videos, and the intro is, like, oh. some, some kid singing some, like, nursery rhyme, and then Kobe just talks about basketball. Oh, and, like, the Muse Cage? Thing. Yeah. Call it Muse Cage. I don't know. Yeah. There's this funny after the D'Angelo trade. There's this funny like gif of D'Angelo like dancing around the court, and then you see Kobe in the background like all stone faced with his shoulder ice pack on, looking like what the hell is this guy doing? <laughs> <laughs> I, I gotta send that to you. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, man. I'm I'm excited for my team. I mean, I know you kind of hoping that Phil doesn't do anything stupid and trade Porzingis. But uh, hopefully, I don't at, think he at will. this point I'm just waiting out Phil and Dolan. Hopefully, they are out of the picture by the time Porzingis needs to resign, and then they have a good good team around him. Yeah, I'm sure Isaiah Thomas is looking back, <laughs> being like, "Hey, man, it wasn't all me." <laughs> yeah, it's it's just former players, former coaches. Like you said, GM is such a different position. Yeah, totally. And then you had like Doc trying to do both coach and GM, and then like that has not panned out yeah so and that's another thing jerry west who came from golden state as a counselor they're basically asking him to do the same thing he did with golden state and the clippers organization so that'll be interesting because you got him working with the clippers magic and, and rob palinka who rob palinka was uh formerly an nba agent for players like james harden and kobe bryant and it's unique because he's never had uh, experience as a general manager, but he's so used to scouting players and he knows the contractual obligations. So I think it'd be, it was very strategic that Magic picked him as his partner in crime to help rebuild the Lakers organization. So I think just going back to how we started, culture starts from the front office, from top down, and leadership kind of has to pave the way. Yep. And also, it's a players' league. System mm-hmm. matters, but I think more than anything, it's get the right players. I was realizing how much I wanted to talk about how much these players get paid and, and how that affects like you know the operating income for the franchises. And then we talked about the Knicks and, and uh, the Cavs and the Lakers because the Knicks and the Lakers are the biggest teams. But the Knicks, you know, even though they have like the biggest market, they haven't had success in recent years. And the Cavaliers, they have the best player on the planet in LeBron James. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Don't forget you can find us at postmoneyplan.com and subscribe to the Post Money Plan channel in the iTunes podcast app or in Google Play. The Post Money Plan. Dropping knowledge. Because without it, you ain't fresh.